Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. Segment number two here on MNCAA. I'm Nick Maxson here back with you talking all things NCAT with uh, my friend, Lord Palpatine. No, I'm sorry, Max Veach. <laughs> Max, um, uh, the mood's a bit different today. And uh, for Bulldogs fans, I would imagine uh, they're probably feeling the same way you're, you're feeling right now. Yeah. Um, I feel like that, that meme that's going around, I couldn't even tell you where it's actually from. I'm sure it's a popular show that I just haven't taken the time to watch, but they're like, Oh, why don't you smile? I got nothing to smile about. There's, there's only darkness and pain right now. It's, it's nothing is good. Everything is dark. It's getting dark at four o'clock outside now. And it's only getting earlier. It's going to be cold for another five months. There's just despair entirely. And it's only worse on the weekend. So I don't know. I just, it is what it is at this point. I'm, I'm numb to it almost. Yeah. Um, shall we say when we talked last week, we, we talked how UMD needed at least one, if not two, uh, Mm -hmm. to feel something rather than the darkness that we're feeling right now. Um, there was, it was close, um, on both games, one goals, but unfortunately, you know, they don't ask how they ask (laughs) which column that it ends up in. And unfortunately for UMD, um, Two L's again this weekend, and uh, at three seven and three, um, this this one hurts, Max. This one hurts. Yeah, I mean, last year we're talking about you know it's the first time in since twenty I think fourteen. I'd have to look back at the numbers and do the research again, but it's been a long time since UMD finished sub five hundred, and now I'm like, dang, five hundred seems pretty sick. Like that's <laughs> that's 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 a pretty low bar to aspire to. But at this point, when you lose eight in a row for the first time in probably even longer. Like I, I went through the, the record books and, you know, I'm not going to say I'm the, the best researcher on the planet. I'm no, no journalist, but I, I couldn't figure out the last time that they did it. And it's just infuriating to watch. It, it's happened in four or five different ways, but they just find a way to do it. And um, I don't know. They feel like the, the LA chargers at this point, like things are going well for certain people, but it's never going well for enough people every single night to get everything done or to get anything done. And yeah. they just find new ways to do it. So, um, yeah, I, I have, I have faith that things will get better eventually, but being in a position where you've seen them go bad in so many different ways, it's just like when it happens, I'll believe it. And that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And it's, it's tough, right, Max? Because I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm not a, shall we say, a, a Wikipedia or a Encyclopedia Britannica on UMD's, shall we say, long history, but it would certainly have to be a while, if not ever, if UMD has lost in any fashion in eight straight. So this is this is tough. Um, so let's talk about some of the specifics, right? So Friday, two to one, that's close. And, and I think that yeah. UMD actually played well enough to win in that game. Um, they got another power play goal. Yeah. Problem is, 
as we talked last week as well, the five on five scoring has been probably the the biggest missing ingredient from UMD this season. Hundred percent. And unfortunately, when you needed one, you couldn't get one late. Yep. Well, it was it was another game where it was frustrating to see UMD come away. They had eight penalties again, um, and that's not out of the norm for them. But it's just like, well, well, you're shooting yourself in the foot over and over again, and. Some of those turned out to be coincidentals and this, that, and the other thing. And it ended up, you know, uh, St. Cloud had, I think, five total actual power plays. And you did great on the penalty kill. They didn't give up a single goal when they were on the penalty kill. So that was much better than expected, much better than they've performed so far this year. But you nailed it on the head. Like, the five-on-five inability to score is astounding. The the numbers that they've got right now in terms of that five-on-five play is, like, abysmal. Bottom ten in the league. And it's just unfathomable with with the, the guys that they have and the the history of that that program and what's gone on there to to see this this inability to figure it out and it has been a couple of bad bounces and hot goaltenders and this that and the other thing but good teams find a way to make it happen and they're just not finding a way to make it happen right now and um it's it's tough to watch at, at times um one for five on the power play for themselves you mentioned it there the only goal that they had was being on the power play if it meant, you know, cutting their power play efficiency back to, we'll, we'll, I'll even take this, 20% on the season, that's that's suitable. That's manageable. But you're going to need, you know, 85 plus on the penalty kill. And we'll just, I'll settle for two five-on-five goals a game. I'll settle for one five-on-five goal a game right now. I I, I don't know. It's it's crazy. The, the, the success that they can have on the power play and not having any of that translate to five on five is is something I I can't figure out. And apparently, neither can uh, the head coach, right? Yeah. Um, Scott Sandlin very vocal after Friday's game um, in terms of uh, essentially, you know, trying to find a way to win, trying to find different things uh, to be successful. Um, Max, do you get the sense that? And, and Scott Sandlin has been a, a coach that has picked and chosen when to show his emotions. He's usually a very calm, reserved level-headed guy, yeah. coach. Yeah. Actually, yeah, reserved, I think, is the best way to put Maybe it. not talking to the referees, but... <laughs> well, <laughs> I think uh, every other coach in the NCHC would be lined up in that category, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let's not even get into the CCHA. That's our next segment, by the way. Um, talk about poor officiating, my goodness. Um, mm-hmm. But back to the NCHC... Uh, do you get the sense that even Scott Sandlin is starting to show a little frustration? I got that sense after some of his post-game comments on Friday that it, it just sounds like to me and, and maybe in his eyes, he can see and he's talked about some of the things that are costing him games and there still isn't either progress or a turnaround on some of these key areas that is essentially contributing to this slide that they're currently on. Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to say that the the stats I'm going to bring up here are the ones that he's focusing on, but they're the ones that I'm stuck on because it's been three years of the exact same thing. They're getting dominated at the faceoff dot and they're getting dominated in shots every single game. And just to have that in staring you in the face is, is kind of crazy to not like address it or put a little bit more focus on it and see if it helps. Given you, you, we've got technically it's not an eight game losing streak. It's an eight game not winning streak, but seven of those are losses. So it's like, try something different. It, it might not have worked for groups in the past, and that, that those other guys may have figured it out, but these guys need something. And if it means just you know getting the, the go-ahead to put more pucks on that, you saw 
North Dakota when they played uh, against Justin Close. I don't know why this goal sticks out to me forever, but just throwing the puck on the net from the goal line in the corner, good things can happen. You just need rubber to find its way into that area code. And UMD is not willing to do that right now. They're passing up a couple of good shots just to make an extra pass or try and get it in a you know higher scoring zone chance. And these good teams that they've been playing the last four weeks have had sticks or people or skates or something else in the way. So they're just not even getting those opportunities. So, you know, having 30, 10% shots versus, you know, five, 80% shots, uh, give me those 30, 10. And I know the math doesn't work out there, but like, just try it. <laughs> so you have to have your luck change eventually. So um, put yourself in a position to, to kind of try something new there. I think that's, that's what they need to be doing. And, I don't think that there is um, a leadership problem, but not having your leader on the ice on Saturday because of what ended up happening at the end of Friday is an issue as well. I mean, and you know, that could have also been a, Hey, I gotta get the boys going. This is a catalyst. We need something to to fight for here, but uh, not, not great either. In in my opinion, it's, it's tough to see that one happen. Uh, Max, I'm glad you, you brought that up because you kind of beat me to where I was going, which is to the Luke low height suspension. Um, were you shocked as much as I was that only essentially him was called anything but that now granted when I watched back the film, it didn't seem like he sort of, you know, was the catalyst for the whole thing, Sure, but, and maybe it's just my hockey sense where, okay, there was some retaliatory type stuff also by saying cloud, I mean, and you saw the frustrations there. And I think Luke Lohite, like you said, you kind of wonder if frustrations took over. He's trying to spark something. I mean, like you said, sometimes you just got to let it fly, right? Sometimes. Yeah. And it's not that you want to do it maybe in that particular sense. And maybe that's why that drew the suspension it was after regulation and felt, shall I say, unnecessary. Right. But are you surprised as much as I am that he was the only one that was essentially held accountable for that? Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely, let me rephrase that. As a UMD fan, seeing everything that's already gone on in the past couple of years and specifically in these series, no, I'm not surprised. As a hockey fan who enjoys watching the game, yeah, I am. Because you see this other places and you see coincidentals given to the people who are most culpable for it. And it's not always, like you mentioned, just the person who starts it. There are retaliatory stuff um, given out along the way. And there's plenty of video evidence of SCSU guys, you know, putting people in headlocks and ripping them down and this, that, and the other thing. And not that that's more egregious or anything than what has gone on, but that's also a penalty. So just to let all of that go when, and only call it on one way, I, I'm not going to say that I agree with that. And, you know, obviously that's me as a, a UMD fan wanting it to be a little bit more even, but that's just me as somebody who wants to see the best players playing on the ice. Like, this has been going on between UMD and St. Cloud for five years, minimum, probably a decade, if we're being really honest. Like they know each other almost too well at this point. So there's always going to be a little bit more um, guts kind of put into it and, and hard feelings on one side or the other. So I don't want to say, and you can't let the guys go 100%. Like you need some sort of a, a, a stop to this and, and, I think that's why the NCHC gave just one side of penalty here. It's just kind of a caution, like, hey, you're going to start getting penalized if if you have more extracurriculars like this in all of your games. So just knock it off. And it's unfortunate, but um, it, it is what it is. They just had to find a way to do it without them. So. And, uh, well, 
you know, I think UMD actually responded a little bit on Saturday. Um, yeah. A much, you know, whatever happened between the two teams, apparently they left the goalies and the defense in the locker room. I don't know what the hell that was. Mm-hmm. Um, six to five was the Saturday final. Again, SCSU on top. But this one was a lot closer of a match for UMD. It was back and forth. It was tied 3-3, heading into the third period. Yep. And then what, Max? Well, I... <laughs> We'll get to the end, but they were trading body blows, like you said, and it wasn't necessarily that it was, you know, those those big punches. Um, it was kind of ticky-tack things that were finding their way to the net. Some of them were good goals as well, but St. Cloud's first goal, they didn't even shoot that puck. It was barely a redirect. Joey Pierce trying to pass it to his D partner, and I don't even remember who it was for St. Cloud, got their stick out. And Jack it was Rogers. Jack Rogers had his stick there. You know, kudos to him for having a stick there. That's why you do. You try and interrupt a pass. No, no, in no other game this season, I'll say that you're going to see a goal scored from that position in that way. Like it was just a fluke thing. And UMD has seemed to have, you know, one of those every single season. I know they scored on themselves when they had a delayed penalty against somebody last year. So just finds a way to get in, in their net when a goalie is not expecting the puck to be coming his way. So um, that was unfortunate. Not a hot start, not the way that UMD wanted to get going. But like you said, I think they responded really, really well there. Um, and you know, they, they had two given up, got two, got, gave one up, got one. And it was just like you said, back and forth, back and forth all game. Um, but then we get into some of the, the chippy nature of this, this series again, in, in, in the Saturday matchup and you got a five minute major in a game misconduct for St. Cloud. And it's just more of the same for these two schools. And there's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, was it really a, a, a game misconduct worthy or not? And again, I think it depends on which side you're looking at it from. If you're a fan of one of these teams. Uh, as a third-party observer, I would be curious to see what people say, but nobody's watching that has a, a really strong opinion, at least not not one that I can find anyway on the outside of that one. So, yeah. No, um, yeah. And then it took, you know, uh, a long time for UMD to find the net. Um, it was just like they, they weren't able to get it done when they had the man advantage at the end of the game there. Um, at, at, they weren't able to get two extra goals, we'll say, but... Yeah, um, they they had a little bit more fight in them for sure. Um, I did like that they had more than thirty shots, thirty four shots to thirty nine. So they're still losing that battle, but it was much more respectable. Um, but yeah, it was just not being able to find the right one to to take advantage of it. And um, it was similar to to the way that that North Dakota that first North Dakota game ended, where yes you had a little bit of a glimmer of hope that it was going to happen but that was all it was it was hope it wasn't like confidence it was just like i've seen this happen before i'm hoping it happens again and then a big letdown it didn't it was in my opinion um we're recording this on on monday the same thing i saw in the vikings game last night we had vikings <laughs> down they gave up a touchdown late they're like yeah there's a minute nine left if we had josh allen or patrick mahomes or one of these quarterbacks that was able to take control and you know a more risky play call and everything else yeah, there'd be a much stronger chance. Like there would, there would actually be a chance, but all we had as Minnesotans was hope and it was little to nothing at that. So um, more of the same for, for UMD, unfortunately. And I, I, this is just bad journalism right here as, as somebody who didn't go to the school. There was somebody at the beginning of the season who said UMD last year was by far the most unlucky team in D1 hockey. And I thought there's surely we can't have that happen again. And here we are. It's it's the same thing again. Like it's almost the same game scripts that I was seeing last year in terms of the ways that they were losing. So uh, tough to watch. It is tough. And, you know, 
to our friends at the Huskies Woman House podcast, not that I partake in, in that debauchery mm-hmm. at all or anything, but we saw the unluckiness last year, but we also saw, shall we say, some warning signs that this yeah. wasn't just all about unluck. And granted, it's weird, right, too, Max, because when you're good, you can get lucky. Sometimes you have to be lucky to be good. Right. You're kind of on the flip side of this. Now, the good news is, if you're a Bulldogs fan, you have a bye week coming up. I couldn't probably have come any sooner, yeah. honestly. You know, And when was the last time anybody said, give me a bye week to reset, right? Um, yeah. You know, for the Huskies, it, it did. Um, it, it really did. And you, you get the sense, Max, and we'll end with the discussion with the UMD on this. If they can just get one, right? Because now you start to worry about confidence again, yeah. you know, essentially winless and eight. Again, they're technically 07 and with the one tie. Right. Um, you know, it's still not a W that weighs on the team, it weighs on the coaching staff. So you'd like to just get one. Um, do you worry about their confidence level right now? For sure. Yeah. I think confidence took a major hit um, after, after this weekend. And it's not that it was, you know, (laughs) much there to begin with. Um, But this is, this is me saying, I told you so to all those people who are calling me point Dexter and everything else online at, (laughs) after our last show, I mean, they were criticizing me for criticizing the scheduling like Cornell, Minnesota, North Dakota, St. Cloud State, back to back to back to back is is murderer's row in in d1 hockey and you need in my opinion at some point in there in that that four week stretch some way that you need you need a game that you should win not one that you could win you need a game that you should win and if you lose that honestly probably more catastrophic but give yourself an opportunity for a bit of a break or a reprieve or a, a, a get right game so um the fact that they haven't had that and they do have a bye week but they come back to a, a relatively tough matchup and we'll get into this next week as well but um it's not any sort of a guarantee that they'll be able to get one of those games either i mean omaha's playing great too so uh they just beat denver this past weekend and it's 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 something that's uh probably gonna be looming over them yeah with the ice conditions at magnus which i didn't think yeah That'd be the last place I would have thought that would have had ice issues, but yeah, I know one of the the most prestigious programs in ho- in all of hockey is having ice issues. That's not great. No, not great at all. Um, so let's take a look at the NCHC standings. Uh, I know yeah. this is you know probably tough to swallow, uh, but bear with us. Um, and again, very shocking that St. Cloud is after going two and four the non conference. They've won six straight in the yeah. conference, so they sit in first place at eighteen points, but. North Dakota, right behind them, still also undefeated at 12 points through four conference games. It wouldn't shock me if uh, those two eventually catch up with each other. Uh, Western yep. Michigan at third at 10 points. And then a logjam a bit. Denver's at nine. Colorado College at six. Omaha at five. And then we have both Duluth and Miami still winless. Um, if there's a little bit of glimmer here, Max, is that you've got two games in hand. Um, if you can get two wins you're up mm-hmm. at six points um and if colorado college and omaha don't move anywhere there's a there's a chance to write the ship a little bit right um yeah. but i want to ask you this because um I, I think we need to take off the general palpatine you know hood a little bit um what's more surprising to you colorado college or miami and the reason why i asked the question is in the non-conference they were turning heads um, yeah. And in a good way, right? I, I think we both yeah. agree that we want these programs to be better. We don't want them to be the the teams that we've seen in the past, right? Where right. Um, 
for lack of a better phrase, they just weren't up to the sale. I say the competition a little bit. Um, but both of these programs have struggled. Miami's still winless in conference play. We mentioned them before. CC has started to found its game a little bit, but both these teams, I believe, are four one and one or something like that, entering conference play. And for whatever reason, they get to the NCHC conference. And you talk about Murderers Row and the yeah. non-conference schedule. The NCHC can be Murderers Row itself, right? What's Correct. been the bigger disappointment so far for you? Uh, for me, it would have to be CC. Um, just the fact that they haven't been able to to take advantage. I mean, they, they played Denver in the Gold Pan series, and it's just. I thought this this year might be the year that they would be able to take one of those games or or make it a, a good you know good battle. Certainly not the case uh, after everything that ended up going down in that one. Um, but they've got good scores on that team as well. They've got Mbarco and they've got they've got a lot of pieces, but they haven't been able to put it together. It's it's not as bad as UMD has been in terms of of everything that they're dealing with, but um, it's it's got to feel similar um, in in Colorado, and they've got that brand new arena, and they've got people that want to watch them there. But um, I had significantly lower hopes than other people in the NCHC for Miami, and so that's the only reason why I say it's you know not not all that shocking. But um, co- yeah, Colorado College, you see highlight goals from them. I feel like maybe not every weekend, but every other weekend, and. You know they know how to put on a show. They just aren't able to get the results. Um, so that's that's certainly my more surprising one out of those two for sure. They're young, and I think one yeah. of the things we got to remember too is they lost some some key players. We talked about this again on HWH. Yeah. Uh, Hunter McCallan, um, yeah. and the cannon of a shot. Yes, the Columbus Blue Jacket. No pun intended. Um, yeah. Brian Yoon, their fifth year captain, also um, essentially aged out. Um, now. To me, the youth is the bigger issue with CC, and I'll, I'll say it this way. They've got, entering this year, three freshman defensemen. Of those three, they were top 15 in USHL goal scoring as defensemen. Not goal right. scoring, points, offense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've seen where, you know, through the course of the years, freshmen come in, they can adjust right away, they can acclimate. I still think these young defensemen, um, with their pedigree, are having to learn a little bit more of the defensive side of the puck. Um, if they learn that and CC was a second half team last year too, I believe what I think was a Chris Mayotte said in their final 10 games, they gave up like 13 or so goals, which is a pretty good number. Yeah. They can figure that out. Um, CC's kind of poised to make a second half run. Am I making that a stretch? Um, or do you think that they struggle now, but do you think they'll get better? I, I think that they will personally. I think they, they, they personally, in my opinion, have to get better. I, I don't know that they could be getting any any worse than, than what they have right now. They've got the pedigree on um, in in the net for sure, but also on some of that defensive stuff that you're you're mentioning there. It's similar to like um, a couple of Aaron Pionks for for Duluth. I mean, he has pretty decent offensive numbers. Played you know the offensive uh, position when he was in high school as well, growing up. So. He's got some learning that he's doing at the, the the level where you're playing against bigger guys who've got a, a wider reach and uh, a, a bit of a tougher time um, on the boards as well. So I, I imagine it's the same growing pains for those guys in in CC, especially the, the people that they've played. When you're playing against those older, bigger bodies in Denver, um, it, it teaches you pretty quick. So I, I think they are on a, a fast learning curve for sure. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to make a, a much more... Um, stout uh, push as as a team that is climbing up the NCHC, but I don't see Duluth, Miami, or CC finishing in the top half, regardless of what happens the next the next 
or the rest of the season. I was going to say the next half. Technically, we're not even there yet. Uh, but I don't see any of those teams having a a home ice uh, advantage. Um, and Denver is down there right now. Obviously, I can see Denver, you know, winning a, a couple of games and rattling them off in the conference here and and climbing back into it. So I would say you're you're talking between Denver and Omaha for that that I don't even want to say last spot home ice. Um, they've they've got a shot to get it, but those other three teams they're they're going to be battling an, an uphill battle the rest of the year, and it's just a matter of how quickly can you find your feet. So you mentioned CC. I want to talk Miami a little bit, um, not because of disappointment, but more so. We have to talk about coaching, I think, Max, and and we've talked yeah. about this off air a number of times, and I th- I think even last year we thought that there had to be some sort of progress being made, especially in the win loss column. We saw that the team was playing better. Yeah. Um, they sort of again came out of the gates four one and one, but have really struggled in the conference play. Um, and just to kind of give you uh, folks a little bit of a kind of a a framework, right? Uh, they're up a dash 20 in goal differential. They've scored nine. They've given up 29. Um, not great. Um, but is, I will say this in their defense, only giving up 29 at this point in the season. Pretty good. Pretty that you Yeah, that's okay. So for those for Max, um, Duluth, um, in conference play has given up only 14, although you've only scored eight, um, uh, over overall, overall, yeah. my, it, it is actually Duluth that has more goals against at 45. Miami is one shy at 44. Um, yeah. but where I was going to max, and I know we're, we're, we, you kind of beat me to the punchline is, is it, is it, or is it a make it or break it year for Chris Bergeron? I, I personally thought it was last year. Um, but I would think that this is his fifth season, I believe, um, fourth yeah, or fifth, yeah, yeah. that unless we see some sort of change in that program, I would think there has to be at the end of the year a change at the helm. So the only reason I would say that he might have a little bit longer leash, um, and that doesn't mean that he should or shouldn't, but is the fact that they're not getting those those top end recruits that they were when you had you know the previous coach right in the helm there. You're not seeing anybody stay home to play for Miami anymore. These these are guys that are just like, I am going to a school that I know can compete right away. And you, you see that a, a lot of different teams as well that you know were once a, a much stronger powerhouse. You're losing them to these these bigger bigger programs that were once you know powerhouses in their own right fell off and are now coming back like. BC, like Minnesota, like all these other ones, the blue bloods that you think of when you think of college hockey, that they had a short term little lull there, but they're now picking up teams from or picking up players from all over the country. And these little, little, I call them smaller, you know, satellite schools are, are kind of, you know, paying the price for it. So Miami is certainly in that boat, in my opinion. Um, but that doesn't mean they're completely devoid of talent either. It's it's just uh, you have to bring it out a little bit more, and that comes from coaching. So, yes, I certainly think that his seat is is warm at, at the very least, but he might have a little bit longer leash just to develop some of the guys that are, you know, the ones that he ended up recruiting, not not the ones that he was kind of left there with uh, when he came in. It's a tough situation regardless down in yeah. Oxford. Um, great venue to play. Yeah, yeah, um, agreed. Yeah, but at the end of it, like you said, there's an issue of recruiting, and you know it, it goes to almost show for for a guy like Rico, um, who's now at, at the helm of St. Thomas. 
how good or how much recruiting can impact. Now, granted, I think it's a bit of a different story now that you factor yeah. in NIL. And yeah. I want to build on this for our last point here, Max. Teams like Miami, teams like, oh, geez, let's throw Bemidji State in there, maybe, mm -hmm. right? Like sure. Superior. Um, NIL, I, I think, is only going to widen the gap a yeah. little bit. And I think the problem that we may inherently face as college hockey fans is, does that inherently put some of these smaller schools like at the breaking point? Um, I, I think, you know, call me a fatalist or whatnot, but I do think there is a discussion there. In fact, Scott Sandlin, before the start of the season, that NCHC media day made a point that we need to do more for these smaller schools as a community of college hockey. Um, and, sort of set it not directly but kind of did that nil i think is only going to accelerate that widening of the gap i'm curious as to your thoughts on that i i think you're absolutely right and it is going to be something it, it affects other sports already but we're, we're seeing it affect hockey um to a little bit of a lesser extent right now just because there's less money going around in in hockey to start with but um, the Big Ten, for example, has always had the the private chartered jets and all of these, you know, great venues that are significantly larger than everywhere else in the country, and you know, pretty good history at a good chunk of them as well um, to to add to it. But they've got much more to attract hockey players to go there um, to start with, and now you're talking about them having a much larger and you know more wealthy pool of alumni that's willing to give to programs like this is going to make even more of a difference. So um, I think you're really going to see it uh, if it isn't already so so clear and evident in some of those um, Atlantic hockey schools. And maybe not because they do have a, a very rich alumni population at some of those colleges as well. But at these other schools that you were mentioning where you're talking about a, a Bemidji or uh, Miami or you know some of these other smaller programs, Lake State, Northern Michigan, like there, there's not a ton of extra cash flowing around um, in, in those areas to be, you know, luring guys in that weren't already, you know, dreaming of going there. And I think that is something that's a little bit different in the college hockey world than let's say football or basketball specifically is you grow up and you're, you're watching hockey from, you know, the, the second that you're starting to form memories really. And you kind of form a bond with your local team more often than not, unless your parents kind of, you know, moved and they were a fan of somebody else. But I would say more often than not, you're a fan of your local team. And if that is, you know, Bemidji or Northern Michigan or some of these other schools, that's the team that you grew up wanting to play for. And, you know, previously there wasn't really much that was pulling you away. Um, now there might be the, the, the financial compensation of it used to be, oh, we'll give you free, you know, free ride as a, a D1 scholarship. Um, now there's a little bit more that goes into it. Like, oh, you can actually make money and provide for a family or whatever. Uh, on top of that, um, that that is enough to sway a, a lot of young people, and we've seen it happen. So um, I I think it is going to be a, a, an issue that's discussed quite a bit more moving forward. Couldn't agree more, Max. Uh, so NZN NCHC still early, but things are yeah. certainly taking shape, and uh, some teams sitting, you know, in a pretty good position now. Others, you know, looking. Uh, to try to get uh, things back on track. So if, if there's any sort of consolidation is that there's a lot of runway, so a lot for this jet to go. So you just never know. That's yep. the good thing is you just never know. So with that being said, uh, let's go to the conference where nobody knows what the hell is going on. That's the CCHA. And that's the next and final segment we'll talk about here on MNCAA. Stick around.